Hello, welcome to this, the sixth of my short videos introducing the ideas of Marx and Marxism. Uh, in this one, I'm going to be talking about Marx's theory of history, uh, otherwise known as the materialist conception of history uh, or historical materialism. Uh, this will be the first of two uh, videos on this subject. Um, Marx developed the core uh, of this uh, theory in a very short space of time, um, in about a, a year between 1844 and 1845, and when he was very young, 26 to 27. It's an extraordinary intellectual achievement, one of the great intellectual achievements in history. And what made this possible, I would argue, is his discovery, immediately prior to this, of the uh, revolutionary potential of the working class. From that point on, Marx viewed all questions of theory, all, all questions of history from the standpoint of the working class, and this gave him a new vantage point from which to uh, completely turn upside down the whole interpretation uh, of history, the whole understanding of history that had hitherto prevailed. Uh, before Marx, and to a considerable extent after Marx in, uh, you know, mainstream circles, history is seen primarily as the deeds of great men, uh, kings, sometimes queens, uh, generals, presidents, uh, 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 and the like. It is their actions, the actions of uh, 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 the Alexander the Greats, Queen Elizabeth I, the... Peter the Greats, Napoleons, even Hitler, who determined the main shape of history. In a slightly more sophisticated view, it's not uh, great individuals, but great ideas that shape history, great abstract ideas. And so you get the idea that the driving force of history might be um, religion, or nationalism, or liberalism, or reason, or some other uh, ab abstract concept like that. So you might have the idea that the 18th century is the age of reason. The 19th century might be the, seen as the age of nationalism or the age of democracy or something like that. Marx rejects both these interpretations of history as both different versions of a bourgeois view of history from the top down. Uh, instead, basing himself on the, the working class, he views history from the bottom up with a focus on the activities of the large mass of ordinary people. For Marx, the starting point of an analysis of history uh, is how ordinary human beings relate to nature and how they produce the basic means of subsistence, the means of life for uh, uh, themselves. Um, Engels summed this up in a quotation. I shall read from uh, his uh, speech at the graveside of, of Marx in 1883. He said, As Darwin discovered the law of development of organic nature, so Marx discovered the law of development of human history. The simple fact, hitherto concealed by an overgrowth of ideology, that mankind must first of all eat, drink, have shelter and clothing, before it can pursue politics, science, art, religion, etc. And from this, Engels says uh, that I followed the conclusion that um, 
the means, the production of the means of subsistence constitute, I quote again, the foundation upon which the state institutions, the legal conceptions, art, and even the ideas on religion of the people concerned have been evolved, and in the light of which they must therefore be explained instead of vice versa, as had hitherto been the case. This central idea of an economic base and a political ideological superstructure in society needs illustration with uh, some examples. Let's take first uh, the, the great reformation of the 16th century. For centuries, most of Europe was dominated by one religion, one church, which now we call Catholicism. In the 16th century, beginning with Martin Luther in 1517, this changed. Europe was plunged into 150 years of civil wars, conflicts, relig religious wars, they were called, and so on. Uh, and continued thereafter to be divided into Protestant and Catholic countries. Why? Why did this great change occur? Was it uh, perhaps that Martin Luther and half the population of Europe um, were divinely inspired to expose the corruption of the church and return to true religion, as I guess they imagined? Uh, or was it uh, that Martin Luther and half the peoples of Europe were suddenly uh, led into error by Satan? Historical materialism obviously rejects either of these, or both these explanations. Rather, it sees the Reformation as the ideological reflection of the fact that the feudal economic system that had prevailed hitherto was in decline, and that within it, a new economic system, capitalism, was on the rise. The old religion, Catholicism, was a religion primarily of the feudal aristocracy, representing and articulating their view of the world and supporting their order. Protestantism was fundamentally the religion of the rising bourgeoisie. So this, this great conflict had not religious but material social roots. And the same, Marxists argue, uh, applies to all such major historical events. I give two other examples that illustrate it. Um, the US Civil War in the, 19, in the 19th century. Was it the case that people born north of the Mason-Dixon line were inherently, innately, morally superior to uh, those born south of the Mason-Dixon line and, and therefore just naturally uh, rejected slavery, whereas those in the south supported it? No. The root of the conflict was that in the north you had uh, uh, modern industrial production which required wage labour. South uh, uh, of the line in the Confederacy you had an economic system based on plantations, tobacco, cotton and so on, which needed and relied on slave labour. That was the, the, the root of the problem. So let me take the First World War. Uh, the First World War uh, was not caused fundamentally by the assassination of an archduke in Sarajevo in 1914, nor was it a family quarrel between King Kaiser and Tsar. At the root of the First World War and the deaths, subsequent deaths of 16 to 18 million people was a struggle 
between the great capitalist imperialist powers to carve up the world. It was, that struggle was driven by their imperialist economic interests. Uh, and so on. And that uh, uh, applies generally. Now, Marx's focus on production led him further. It led him to distinguish two aspects of production. Uh, the first he called the forces of production. This refers to, most simply, the tools uh, that a society had, but also the labour to work those tools and the knowledge, particularly scientific knowledge, to deploy them. This constituted the ability of that society to uh, produce goods. Second aspect of production, in, inextricably linked to it, uh, was the question of relations of production. This was the social relations that human beings entered into in the process of production, relations between themselves. And for the last 6,000 years or so, those relations have been exploitative relations and class relations. Now, for Marx, there is a dialectical relationship between the forces and relations of production. First, the level of the forces of production uh, shapes or conditions the relations of production. If as forces of production you have basically stone tools and bows and arrows only, then you will not get feudal lords or, or uh, wage labour. What you will get is hunting and gathering in small clans. If uh, you have modern engineering, steam power, factories and the like, what you will get is wage labour and modern capitalism, not at least for any length of time, the rule of feudal lords and certainly not primitive communism. At the beginning, the relations of production, that is the class social relations of society, usually act as a form of development of the forces of production. They facilitate their growth, but with time they turn into a fetter, Marx says, on the forces of production. They start holding them back. When that happens, uh, right, you get a conflict in society. There is, of course, a ruling class with a vested interest in the maintenance of existing social relations. Those social relations make that class, the feudal aristocracy, the modern capitalists or whoever, into the ruling class in that society. So they defend that. Then the conflict between the forces of production that are developing and the relations of production that are a fetter on them turn, Marx says, into an epoch of social revolution in which the whole uh, superstructure of the society, its politics, its institutions and so on, are, in his words, sprung into the air uh, and remade. In this way, Marx's theory of history turns into a, a, a theory of social and political revolution. How all this works I shall explain further in the uh, second video on this subject. Thank you.